Welcome to Change Agents, brought to you by Lisa Dunn with Remax Results. Lisa is a licensed real estate agent and senior real estate specialist in the state of Minnesota. Lisa works with older adults to help them upsize and downsize. And now, here's Lisa Dunn. Welcome to the show. With me in the studio, but not in the studio, is the producer of our show from Minnesota Podcasting, Marshall Saunders. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? Hello. I'm good, and I miss seeing you face-to-face. I know. So we're seeing each other via Zoom, and that's because we're following the protocols, the shelter-in-place protocols of COVID-19 and the orders from the government and so on. And uh, so uh, I just ask for a little bit of grace and forgiveness from the audience if everything doesn't sound uh, like it normally sounds awesome in the studio with good controlled sound. Uh, This is a little bit more of uh, the Wild West. We don't know exactly what we're going to get, but we we have uh, three people recorded separately in three different locations, and we edit it all together, and it goes together as good as it can be. The content is more important than anything else right right now. The content is more important, right. Speaking of really important content, one of the most common questions I get from families is, how do we help our parents move when one of our parents has dementia? And one of the most common feelings is guilt. So I wanted to take a moment to talk to someone very near and dear to my heart about her experience and what it was like for her parents to move. The person that I'd like to introduce you to is my cousin, Andrea Zimmerman. I got to be um, kind of an impartial, well, maybe not completely impartial, but I got to be part of the move when you were getting your mom and dad ready to move. And I know it was quite a process for you. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you and then any lessons you had out of this process that might be helpful to someone who's just starting this journey. So Andrea, would you start by talking about your mom and dad and what that was like and the process of them getting ready to make their own move? Absolutely. And I will say, if I get a little emotional, forgive me, Um, it is an emotional process. It's been a couple of years for me since they moved, but the evolution of, I guess, what I would call the process still has continued over the last couple of years. It's never a, okay, we've got them set and it's perfect. It's it's kind of changes as time goes on and as the, the disease with dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever it might be progresses. My my dad um, was diagnosed with dementia. I want, we were trying to figure it out the other day. I want to say it was maybe seven or eight years ago. We knew he was having a hard time remembering things. We knew he was having a hard time kind of doing some of the tasks. So we got him checked out and that diagnosis came out. So at that point in time, there was nothing to do because he was still able to do everything he could do. My mom, um, physicality-wise, was kind of declining. She has rheumatoid arthritis and osteoporosis and had a lot of physical issues, but very mentally sharp. Dad's mental capacity over those seven years 
he declined kind of on an ir- sort of irregular pattern. And some days he'd be fine and other days it would be weird. You know, my, my parents lived in Cross Lake, Minnesota, which is almost three hours away from where I am in Minneapolis. So trying to get an understanding of exactly what was going on, which was a lot of times over the phone was, was difficult. Dad was always a busy person, so he was always, you know, doing something in the garage or something. There were times where I remember he had um, turned the heater up in the garage really, really high. And when we were there and it was, we wake up the next morning, he could have burned the whole place down. You know, so it's, it's stuff that happens out of the blue that you don't expect that could put them in danger. And so there were kind of some of those warning signs, big red flags that were starting to happen where even I'd be on the phone with mom and dad would be yelling at her because anger can be symptomatic in this disease that's really difficult for to see because the anger is not it's It's not rational it's not rational you can't rationalize you can't talk to that person and calm them down it's completely irrational and it's hard to know when you that line between normal and then when it's the dementia setting in as things start escalating So my mom went for a long time without raising her hand saying that she had an issue or was concerned. And in fact, she really never raised her hand. Circumstances occurred that ended up resulting in the move. And so basically, we were getting to a point where I was noticing these things on the phone and when we would would visit where I was super concerned. And then during the winter time, having them isolated up in Cross Lake and being, you know, 40 minutes away from the nearest hospital um, super concerned about those things. So I initially started trying to get them to agree to come down during the winter to find a place to stay. In fact, I contacted you to get a list of senior living centers that actually have short-term stays available, which I didn't know that you could rent for a month or three months or five months and have a furnished apartment available at a senior living place where you can have services attached to that. So I was trying to get them to do that. We went and visited a number of places, uh, four or five or six places to try to see if something would work for them. I had finally identified a place that with them that they liked. And thank goodness I had. Um, and that was Arbor Lake Senior Living. We had um, did a walkthrough. We got our name on the list. The list was two years out for... Long-term care, the place across the street had availability for like winter months and things like that. So mom's like, well, maybe next winter we'll do that. And then we got our name on a list of a senior living center. Once we understood that there were these long waiting lists, which I had, it blew my mind. I had no idea. Now it seems normal. It's like, well, of course they have a waiting list. But when I talk to friends, they have no idea. Thank you for saying that because I say that all the time and hearing it from someone who's actually lived it might carry some additional weight. So thank you. The memory care side had a shorter wait list than the senior living side did. Um, So we got our name on that list and then thinking, you know, in the fall, I'd finally talk my parents into doing something to get them safe during the winter. Well, lo and behold, Easter comes along that year and mom had a fall, had a hip issue and had to come down to the cities. Dad was staying with me and I just realized it's like it it was impossible for me to care for mom and for dad to be at home. Dad couldn't be at home by himself. 
mom must have been watching him like a hawk up north um, because I left the house to go visit mom one morning. I had a friend come by to check in on dad. It was like 20 minutes after I left and dad had cut his finger with a knife and was bleeding all over the place and needed stitches. So what was that like for you? You know that your dad had had the diagnosis at least for a couple years at that point. He comes to stay with you and it sounds like this was an aha moment for you. The experience is um, horrifying, number one, because you, you know, when you hear about the disease and you, you might know of people that have it, but until you live with it and see it, it, you just can't even understand the depth of how strange and how you just can't predict what's going to happen with your loved one and what they're going to do. I mean, it's almost like having a toddler that doesn't understand, um, you know, certain, certain things. I mean, you'd, you'd think that dad would have known not to handle a knife the way that he had handled it because he handled a knife and filleted fish and, you know, super handy guy and... To have him do that was just bizarre. So it's not, I couldn't even wrap my head around it um, because all of a sudden you have a parent that you have to monitor pretty much full time what they're doing when even two months before they were getting along okay. So the change in the disease can happen so rapidly. So I was really at that point in time, I knew in the back of my mind where they could go. I knew that the memory care unit was was open. And I think I do business strategy for a living. So my mind is usually, you know, I'm trying to be a number of steps ahead and have a number of directions that I might be able to take, which I know is unusual for, for other friends of mine don't think that way. So I felt like I had... The beginnings of a plan, I remember a lot of conversations with you. I think I cried a lot on the phone with you trying to understand. And then the financial concerns. I mean, those things start hitting in my head when the reality sets in that dad's going to have to go someplace and it's going to have to be soon. And I'm going to have to talk my mom into letting him go somewhere because she was still caring for him. And that whole release of control and then... The next step knowing if he gets moved somewhere, mom has, mom has to go somewhere too, and we have to sell their home. How as the adult daughter did you help them get to the place where they were ready to move? Because that is the million-dollar question. How do I get mom and dad to a place where I know that they're going to be safe? It's frustrating. The frustration level, it's, it's the tables turn at a certain point where it's not, I'm not looking to mom for advice or dad for advice, um, the tables have to turn where they're looking to, to me or the, the child for advice um, because there comes a point where they're not making rational decisions, at least what I would consider to be rational. Mom wanted to remain in control of her life because when you take them out of their home and, and you sell the home that they've had for 50 years, they are losing control. And that control factor is super scary. So you have to find ways that they feel like they're still in control. And I felt like the cornerstone of that was mom and dad participating in looking for places that they might go and approving and getting on the list for where they would go. That helped so much. If I hadn't done that and I was going out myself and looking while mom was recovering from her hip, and she would have been sight unseen, it would have been even harder to make the move. But honestly, we did it in stages. It was, 
okay, mom, you've got this physical injury. Dad can't stay with me because I have work and I need to be with you. Dad needs to be someplace safe. Even having another relative come stay with me, we're just not qualified at a certain point to manage the things that go on with somebody with dementia. I was not qualified. Friends were not qualified because certain things get to be dangerous. Telling dad he can't go outside for a walk by himself or can't, you know, the sundowner stuff especially was very dangerous and concerning at nighttime. Dad would do things that were completely unreasonable and unusual. Um, and it becomes a physical fight. I mean, there's a physicality that comes into play that's frightening. I knew dad had to go someplace safe. He couldn't stay in my house. And so I'm like, mom, how about while you're in transitional care, let's plan for dad to go into this memory care just short term, just, just while you're recovering. And then we can assess and evaluate what's going on. So that was kind of the initial, it's kind of taking a, a staged or stepped approach to things. We're not selling your house. We're not doing anything. We're just getting to see where you're at, to see how you can recover and dad to a safe place. And what happened is once dad was in that memory care center, and in fact, um, it was Willows at Arbor Lakes, and mom stayed overnight with him a number of nights initially so that he would be comfortable. Um, she was concerned he'd get confused, be afraid. So she thought if she could stay there before she had her, her surgery, and we were lucky that we could stage it that way. It wasn't in an emergent where she was taken away and in the hospital. She was, we were able to get him in there while her surgery was scheduled. She was able to stay with him, get him comfortable. And then she stopped staying overnight, but we'd go visit him. So there was kind of this gradual thing, and he was where we felt he was okay where he was at. Once mom had the surgery, was in transitional care, she had an epiphany of, I, I've been, this was too much for me and my physical and mental state, her anxiety was so high that six months prior, I mean, she was a, almost a completely different person as far as being able to deal with what was going on. I mean, she, you could hear it in her voice when I'd be talking to her on the phone from Minneapolis to Cross Lake, her, her fear, her concern, she wasn't able to kind of think through things like she normally was because her anxiety, I think, was so high. Well, and she was a probably exhausted. Exhausted, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. But she needed dad there to help her do things physically. So she knew if she made the hard decision to have dad go to memory care, that she would have to lose control of her life and have the house sold and move. And she didn't want to do that. So strategically, there's some things that worked well in your favor. You planned ahead, had some ideas about where to go, got your parents involved in that process. Anything else in regards to the move that you would advise other adult children to do? Work with your parents to clear out the house before <laughs> they have to go somewhere. Like the year before, start reducing what they need in their home. My parents had 50 years of stuff and they were both pack rats. My dad's garage was overflowing with stuff. We had three large dumpsters come in that we tossed stuff. 
mom made the realization that dad needed to go to memory care when she had separation from him. She realized how hard it was. She got him and decided that it was going to be a long-term stay. That's where he was going to stay, and she was going to have to then move into the the um, senior living part of the building that they were in. So then it came down to, okay, we have to sell the property. Mom came up a couple of times to try and, and physically she was in a, she was still in a recovery state, but trying to get her to go through things and discard things. And it was a really difficult process. We're two years out and I actually had um, a secondhand store come in. We cleaned out kind of all the junk stuff. And then they basically said they'd pay us money and they'd take and clear the whole place out for us and take everything that was left that we did that we left in there that we didn't need still two years this guy's name was dana and it's still that damn dana has excuse my language has this or that or whatever it is she's looking for the lint roller dana has my lint roller so you really need to be make sure that they have i I mean mom it was overwhelming for her to try to figure out what she was going to keep and what she wasn't going to keep. Really trying to use our time in quarantine or use, you know, use the time we're in right now or in the future, having those times to, you know, reduce what we have in our homes. We just don't need that stuff. It may become easier at the time that they move to figure out what are they really, what's really important for them to keep and what's not. Because mom still has a lot of stress to that regarding that today. Things that she loved that she forgot to grab or was in a Christmas box, the nativity scene that was in a Christmas box packed away somewhere that, you know, she didn't take. I mean, it's heartbreaking for me today to to hear that. So the time to pick through the things that are really important for that to them is critical. You talked about the aha moment that you had when your dad was staying with you and you realized that your mom had been there alone with him for a number of months and you realized kind of all of a sudden how difficult it had gotten. And even now, because you were the adult child that had to make decisions about what stayed and what went, because that process of letting go of stuff was too overwhelming for your parents, and you were put in the position of having to make those decisions. There were a lot of times during this process where you had to be the one to make the decisions and be the person kind of doing the nudging. And... The word that I almost always hear from adult children is guilt. Guilt around being the person to have to help mom and dad make the decisions. Guilt around being the bad guy when you had to be. Guilt around making mom or dad, depending on the parent it is, making them feel rushed, but the decision had to be made now. What kinds of things have you learned from this process about being an adult child and about dealing with some of the just the emotional turmoil that goes along with this disease. What what lessons have you learned from that process? Your relationship will come back. <laughs> I mean, there was definitely a period of time when things got tough with my mom um, that I felt like we were in a place with our relationship that was very damaged, um, that I didn't know if we'd ever get back to a place. I was angry. I was angry um, and I'm sure the guilt, the guilt part, Lisa, I, you know, I, I try to, I sort of, some of that gets wrapped into, to anger with my parents, my mom not making the decisions that she needed to make 
not understanding, not getting a grip on reality of what needed to be done and me having to be in a position to argue with her, disagree with her, try to coax her, try to find ways to get her. I remember calling you, I think she won't do this or she's doing that. How do I, how do we get to this? What do we do? You got to have people to talk to. You got to brainstorm with your loved ones, with your friends. Um, you know, my brother was engaged a little bit, but he's out of state. Um, so, you know, I, that wasn't really a resource that, and he didn't understand how bad things were because he hadn't seen my dad for a couple of years. So I'm fighting with my brother who's, you know, worried about the money and we, he doesn't need that. And we can't put him in a nursing home because he didn't understand how nice these memory care centers were. And, and even family getting angry with me about putting my dad into memory care. His brother that lived near, near them, my dad's sister-in-law were, I mean, until they went and visited, they had this picture in their mind that it was a nursing home. And memory care centers, they do not have to be nursing homes. Now, dad's in one now that is a nursing home because that's what he needs. But the onset, he was in a different area or different section, you know, that, that gave him more freedom. And it's all about trying to find ways to help them stay as independent as possible. And I think if you lead with that and if you try to brainstorm on how to communicate with mom or dad about how, you know, here's what we're going to do, but here's how you maintain your independence. Mom, you still have your car. You know, we're not getting, you know, you can still get out. You can still drive around. She shouldn't be driving anymore, but trying to get the car away from her is a whole nother thing. But the guilt, um, I think I, I, you know, I cried a lot and it's just, it's, it's relying on other people and realizing you have to be in the position. Somebody has to take the bad guy role. Somebody has to, to be the one because otherwise their safety is at risk. Um, and then you're going to end up in a situation where, um, you know, Hey, hip falls. If somebody falls and breaks a hip, elderly people don't always come back from that. It's a very high risk that, and that's where I started talking to mom. It's like, mom, if you fall, dad's not going to be able to help you. He's going to be up there. He's not going to know what to do. You may not be near your phone. You've got a little button you can press. You know, I installed that alert system, whatever. She didn't wear that thing most of the time. She didn't have it on her. So if she fell, I mean, she could die. It's putting the hard facts out there of what can happen. But that is not a one conversation. That is a multiple almost it's almost like Hansel and Gretel and having the crumbs <laughs> to get them to the path to the the place that they need to go you got to lay out those crumbs did it take longer than you anticipated absolutely and even mom once mom was in the senior living center you know it was I got her there by saying let's just try this you know and while you're recovering and then, you know, we're not selling. We waited a year to sell the property. So she knew she, she could always, if things got better, if she improved, that would always be an option for her, which I already, you know, we knew it wasn't going to happen, but I didn't tell her that. It's leaving those options open so that she's got time to wrap her mind around it and get there herself, getting the information to her. Because eventually, you know, my mom is a smart lady. All of our parents are smart people, right? They eventually get there, but sometimes it takes, you know, catastrophic things to get them there. And if you're not prepared for that catastrophic thing that might happen, then you're going to be in a really bad situation. 
That might just be the best piece of advice I've ever had somebody put into words for adult children. It's easy when you're on the outside looking in to see that something's not working. But when you're in it and living in it, like you said, your mom wasn't able always to see it because she's tired. She's exhausted. She's just trying to deal with what's in front of her. And she doesn't want the outcome. Alzheimer's is a family disease. It doesn't just affect one person. And being able to have the strength to speak the truth, even when it's uncomfortable, and the grace to give your parents time to get to where you are really is the key. Having plans in your back pocket, reaching out to your support network, and asking for help with this disease is also really, really hard. We, I have seen caregivers and adult children all the time wait until things have been going on for really, really a long time and things had gotten bad before they finally asked for help. And by then they're so tired that it's hard for them to take action and to make the strategic decisions that you had to make. So I hope that you give yourself a regular pat on the back for all of the hard work and the grace that you have had. Um, I know it doesn't always feel that way when you're in the middle of it, but you are on the other side of the crisis. You're not done being an adult child, but you're at least on the other side of that crisis. So you um, you are to be commended for that. Yeah, and getting the Senior Linkage Line is a great resource to find out. I think I've gotten uh, lawyer names from you and from the singer, uh, senior, senior Linkage Line, and there's resources that are out there. There's so many resources. It's just understanding what to tap into. I mean, Lisa, you were a huge resource to me as to, you know, places to go. I mean, identifying a resource, I can't remember the name of the group, but to have somebody come in and play cribbage with my dad while he was still able to um, in memory care was, you know, finding resources like that to, to sort of enhance my parents' experience. It's not a, here's ABC what you do. Everything's different by family, and you need to understand the resources that are out there. And all you have to do is ask for help. You don't even have to know what questions to ask. You just have to reach out for help, and the resources will appear. Yes, mm-hmm. and even the financial components with elderly waiver. And, you know, there's, there's places for everybody, no matter what they have from a financial need perspective. So if you're out there and you are or someone you know is caring for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia or any other behavioral kinds of challenges, please don't go this alone. There are lots of resources out there and there are people who have taken this path before you and have lived to tell about it. You can get there. So please just reach out. There are resources out there available for you. If you have a question or comment you'd like to have included in an upcoming podcast, please call us at 612-352-9177. Just let us know on your message that you're calling about this show, The Change Agents, and we may use your recording message on a future podcast. And always, please also hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you find us on, rate and review our show as we're always looking forward to hear from you. This has been Change Agents, brought to you by Lisa Dunn with Remax Results. Lisa is a senior real estate specialist. You can find her online at thechangeagent.net. This podcast was produced by Minnesota Podcasting and recorded in their St. Paul studios. And they can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. 
The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the individual participants and may not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of REMAX results or Minnesota Podcasting.